Who knows what this is? Charger, yeah, from my mobile phone. And I'll take that to Fiji with me. It can be a problem sometimes. It's not the PowerPoint to go in because there's no electricity. But, you know, it's... Uh, uh, and you, you've got to be aware that the phone only has a certain amount of life in the battery. And once the battery's flat, well, the phone, you might as well shout. Because once the phone's gone flat, that's not going to work, is it? We use mobile phones and we use rechargeable batteries. And not just rechargeable batteries. I mean, things operating the data projector and things like that. We use um, batteries in those Use batteries when you change the TV channels. I remember the days when you used to have to get up and change the TV channel manually. Aren't I old? You wouldn't do that now, do you? Does anyone do that now? Only if your batteries are flat and not working. <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah, okay. Yeah, there's one person that does it. <laughs> anyway, most of us use the remote, don't we? Even setting the air conditioner, we use the remote. It's all remotes. We use remotes on the data projector. We use remotes everywhere. And uh, it's part of life. Batteries are important. They're rechargeable batteries, particularly like in cars, mobile phones. They're invaluable. But if you don't charge them, you've got a problem. If they run down, they've only got a limited life. And once they're flat, then they're useless. And so you need to keep recharging them. I don't know about you, some days I get up and I wish I could just plug myself in like a recharge and get a burst of energy because sometimes I get up and think, I'm flat, the day's about to start, I'm just, boom, yeah, I'm battling to get breakfast and get dressed and get going. You have days like that sometimes? And it's not much of a way to start a day. And particularly when you look at a day, there's so much to do. And if you're like me, your list is always there and it's always too much. There's so many demands on life and there's no way to fulfil them, even though I feel and you probably feel obligated to do them. Busy, busy, busy. But God has a remedy for this. He foresaw this right back at the beginning when he created us. You see, in the Garden of Eden, he, he, he did things for six days and made things. And seventh day was a rest. And in fact, the seventh day continued in the Garden of Eden in Genesis. It was all seventh day. It was all rest stuff. And rest was good because you didn't even have to go and dig the weeds because there were no weeds or the thorns or there was no sickness or there was no problems at all. And if you're hungry, you just went and picked something and ate it. And there was no problem with relationships. It was the perfect place. It was just a day of rest. And then Adam and Eve sinned and it all went skew with. But God did something about that because he wanted his people to have a Sabbath day. He wanted his people to have a day of rest like the Garden of Eden. We'll look at that now. We see in Mark chapter 2, Jesus is again, this is in verse 23, uh, it was another Sabbath day. And on the Sabbath day, there was a whole lot of rules and regulations and he seemed to get caught up with the people who wanted to insist on those rules and regulations. But the Sabbath literally means stop. It literally means have a break. It was given back in Exodus uh, when the nation of Israel came out of uh, Egypt. They were fleeing for safety. They got in the desert. They got enough distance away and God set a Sabbath day and he said, stop, stay here recharge, rest, but not just do as you please, but it was also focusing on God. And the Sabbath day was very important, so important that God said it was a holy day, you're, you're my people, you belong to me, you're not going to be like the other nations, you're going to have a, every seventh day you're going to stop and have a Sabbath rest to show you belong to me. And I was so serious, if you broke it, you got put to death. 
That's about as serious as it becomes. You couldn't make fires, you couldn't collect firewood, you couldn't do any ordinary work. Why was it so important? Why was it so serious to God that if you broke it, you could be put to death? Well, it was a reminder to us of what the Garden of Eden was like before the fall. Um, the whole idea of, of we're rested from that providing work type of stuff. We've got to keep providing for our family, keep providing, 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 providing shelter, providing this, providing that. We just have to work, work, work to get those. That's all a result of the fall, all a result of mankind's sinfulness. But to have a daybreak from that reminds us it wasn't always like that and it will not always be like that. There's going to be that time we come to heaven where we're not going to be in the drudgery and, and troubles of this world. Even when God gave them manna back in Exodus 16, he told them uh, they didn't have any food to eat, so he gave this um, morning, he gave this stuff like dew, but it was a sort of like a bread to eat, and they, and they went out and picked it, and it was just a matter of collecting it and eating it. They were told not to keep it more than one day. Those who did found it was rotten and they couldn't keep it. He had to go out every day and collect it in the morning and then eat it during the day. He actually gave quail at night, so there was a you know, balanced diet. Um, and... But there was also a catch to this. He said on the Sabbath day, you actually collect this, on the sixth day, you actually collect twice the amount and you'll, it'll keep. I mean, they tried that and it didn't keep. Now he said on the sixth day, collect twice the amount, it'll keep. And so they collected twice the amount, it did keep, and those who went on the Sabbath day to try and find it wasn't there. And so they got in the habit of, okay, get it every day and on the Sabbath day, do double the amount and on the Sabbath day, have a rest because it's not going to be there. And they got in that habit. He was teaching them something. And they weren't allowed on the Sabbath day to any sort of you know, washing or repairs, even preparing meals and cooking was not allowed. And it wasn't like their day off. It was the Lord's day. It was a day to praise and enjoy God, assemble with God's people, read the scriptures, uh, praying and praising him. And so we have Jesus on the Sabbath day, and look what happens. Verse 23, one Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields. His disciples were walking along. They began to pick heads of grain. That's quite legal to do that. The farmers were actually told, don't harvest all the grain. Leave some for people who are poor or passing by travellers. They can come and little, you know, pick a bit to eat. That's okay. But they're doing it on the Sabbath. That was the problem. And so the Pharisees say in verse 24, they get all upset about it. The Pharisees are the ones who are a legal group who have sort of got all these rules and regulations trying to earn their way to, to heaven through keeping those. They said, look, why, you're, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? It is unlawful. There are rules about that. But look what Jesus says. He then goes back to King David, something that's recorded that King David did in 1 Samuel chapter 21. And so Jesus reminds him in verse 25 and 26, have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? They were fleeing actually Saul. Saul was the king. Uh, he was, uh, he'd gone mentally deranged away from God. Uh, David was the one that God had now chosen to replace him. Saul was actually chasing David and his companions trying to kill him. Uh, David and his companions had to flee. They didn't have any food. Uh, they were fleeing and fleeing and fleeing. They were really starving. They were really run down. They really needed food to recharge. It wasn't just that. Let's have a bit something to eat. They really needed some food. 
They came uh, to where the high priest was and it says, In the days of Abatha the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, which is only lawful for the priest to eat. He also gave some to his companions. Uh, they, the priest in the uh, temple uh, would uh, make uh, 12 loaves of uh, bread and put them out every Sunday, probably make them the day before, put them out on the, on the Sabbath day, sorry, and then uh, they would stay there um, on the altar for seven days. And then the priest would eat them. Seven-day-old bread, anyway. He would eat them. Um, but it was okay for the priest to eat. Um, but when David comes, it's interesting, isn't it? Um, that there's something that's consecrated, set apart for the law. That's what this bread was. But David's able to eat it. And look what Jesus says when he talks about this. He explains what happened in verse 27. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Not man for Sabbath. Not the Sabbath where man's got to do all these rules and regulations. The Sabbath was made for man, to benefit man, not to benefit God. God's going to gain no benefit from the Sabbath, but people are going to gain a benefit from the Sabbath. And so the Pharisees have made all these absolute rules, but they were focused on what we do in trying to earn our way to God. And somehow benefit God. But Jesus is saying, no, it's not happening at all. In fact, need at this point triumphs over law. Need triumphs over ceremonial law. It doesn't triumph over the, the, the Ten Commandments, not that sort of law. There's certain laws that are fixed and hard that you can't break. But the ceremonial stuff, the things about what you do on the Sabbath, need triumphs over those. It was already the case. They already had, if someone was really sick and in need of um, medical attention, you could get medical attention on the Sabbath day. They'd always held that at certain points. But Jesus is reaffirming that. And then Jesus goes on in verse 28 to say, The Son of Man is even Lord of the Sabbath. He's cutting across all the traditions. He's emphasizing God's given purpose for the Sabbath and that he has the authority to make these interpretations, to make these adjustments that he's making with that. Goes in chapter 3, another Sabbath, so probably the next one after. They're in the, in the synagogue and uh, there's a man with a shriveled up hand. And Jesus gets them, um, they know, he knows they're looking to accuse him. Uh, they're watching closely to see if he will heal. They know he will heal. They know he can heal. They know it's, he's got the power and authority to heal. They don't ask themselves, what authority is this? Where is it coming from? Could he be God? They're not asking that. They're just opposing him. Even though there's evidence that he has the authority of God, they're opposing him. And they're waiting to see if he'll break the law and heal this guy. And healing is seen as some sort of work that he's doing. They've hardened their hearts to Jesus. And this will even harden them further with what he's about to do. He knows this is happening, so he says to the man with a shrill hand, stand up in front of everyone. So he makes a focus of it. And uh, then he says to them in verse 4, what is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or kill? And they won't even respond. They're hard. They don't want to end a discussion. They don't know what's right or wrong at this point. They just want what they see should happen. They're so focused on themselves, they're oblivious to the needs of others and the needs of this man with a shrivel up hand. And look at Jesus' response. 
when they remain silent, when they will not respond. Verse 5, he looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts. He's angry, angry that they won't have compassion on this man who needs to be healed. Angry they're so focused on these silly laws, they've forgotten about people, real people, people that God loves, people that Jesus loves. Anger's okay if it's for the right reason and you handle it in the right way. Because Jesus gets angry. What does he do? Go around beating them all up, go around jumping, shouting, go around making a scene. Go around. What does he do? Does he start a war? No. What does he do? He's angry, but what happens next? He said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched out his hand and was completely restored. Their lack of response, their lack of empathy, their hardness of heart, their anger, their bitterness against him is not going to stop him doing what is good and right and proper. And he heals the man. Now, if you were standing, wow, hey, praise God, look at that. Oh, his arms restored. Look, it's normal. Wow, that's great. That's tremendous. Let's celebrate. That's how people should behave. I'm sure the majority of people in the synagogue did that. But look at this group that are opposing Jesus in verse 6. Then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. Not just be against him, but kill him. Get rid of him forever. I seem to remember that killing people is against the law. You know, they're picking up Jesus on breaking a little technical law and now they're going to do something that's totally against the Ten Commandments. You don't kill people. You, know, you don't just kill them. I mean, you're, sorry, in battle you're protecting yourself, that's okay to some degree, but you just don't go out and decide to kill someone because they did good. I mean, that's weird, isn't it? And can you see how far they've now moved and now they've gone from just accusing Jesus and opposing him, now they're out to get rid of him. And that'll continue on through the years until they crucify him on the cross later on. Jesus Christ, who has all the authority of God and does this, is now going to be opposed by them because he's broken this little Jewish tradition a tradition that multiplied the rules and regulations that was binding on the people that didn't liberate them, that didn't help them to have a stress-free day off, that just created so much stress and so much pressure and so much worry and so much anxiety, it took away the rest. And that's what the Sabbath's all about. What about us today? Are you having a Sabbath? Should we have a Sabbath? When I was growing up... Um, how old I am. And when I was growing up, the Sunday was a day where there was nothing was open pretty well. There's only you battle to find anything open on Sunday. That's I know that's bizarre and weird for people later on. Um, and what used to happen is, um, particularly in the country area where I was living at the time, uh, that on sun Saturday at lunchtime, about twelve, one o'clock, no later than one o'clock, everything would close. Everything. And people would go and play sport or go and do stuff with their families or go home and do some jobs around the home. But Saturday afternoon was just to do your own thing, sort of. 
And then Sunday, pretty well everyone would come to church on Sunday or churches on Sunday. And then they would go home and have a family baked dinner or family meal together with the extended family, big family gathering. And then you'd have a bit of a sleep on Sunday afternoon or you'd play some sport. you relax anyway on Sunday afternoon. That's how it was. It's not like that now, is it? Uh, you really struggle to find that today. Because we live in not just uh, seven days a week, we live in a 24-7 society, don't we? It goes not just seven days, but all night and just keeps going, going, going. And it's really hard. And so for us now, it's become a lot harder to have this Sabbath. And we've got to struggle more about how we're going to do it. And I, I can't see it getting any better. I can only see it getting worse. So how are we going to learn how to have a Sabbath? Is a Sabbath important? If a Sabbath, if we don't have a Sabbath, what's going to happen? We're just going to be too busy and run down and chasing our tails and just get worn out and we're just going to, it's going to go and go and go. How can we manage that? You see, a Sabbath day, having a Sabbath day is a reminder to us that all this paid work, all this hard work that we do, paid or unpaid, is a result of the fall, result of the curse because we sin, the cursed world we live in. It requires great effort. And it's all part of the fall. And so a Sabbath of actually stopping that and having a break from that reminds us of the fall and that all the work and stuff we do is not a means to an end, we don't want to be controlled by the work we do. In fact, there's lots of people that just are controlled by the slavery of, of this fallen world of working and working and working and trying to, to with great effort and, and seemingly noble reasons. A lot of people work hard for their family, work hard for this, work hard for that, but it's work, 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 work. And in the end, the work can become the goal and the end focus rather than working to have a rest, working to provide for family, working in this cursed world to enjoy what God's given us. Sometimes we can end up putting the cart before the horse. We just keep going and going and going. We're doing all the hard work where we should not be doing that. Well, maybe we need to have a mind shift of how we're going to live in this crazy world we're in how are we going to live in it so yes we work and yes we put the effort in because we've got to because it's not going to be given to us on a silver plate because the world is cursed because of sin that we just got to struggle and we've got to do things but at the same time how are we going to recharge how are we going to rest how are we going to get things back in the right perspective saying there is a God and he created for this reason that we'll have a relationship with him and we'll have a relationship with other people in a, in a, on, a, on a day, in a place where we're not stressed out, we're not distracted, we're not worn out by work, 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 which is part of the curse of this world. And also we don't want to sort of create this space in our week where we can have you know, time off. And as I talk about this space, Look, for me, it can't be Sunday. It might be Sunday for you, but I know other people in emergency services. We can't sort of say it's got to be Sunday. Everyone stops doing what they do. No, no police, no ambulance, no, no shops. No, it's not going to work. It's never worked that way anyway. 
Even when everything was, like I said, when Sunday was the day nothing happened, there were still the police there, there were still the ambulance there, there were still the hospital staff there, there were still people doing things that we needed to happen. So it's never going to work that we have one particular day where everyone stops and nothing happens until we get to heaven anyway. It's not going to work that way. So how are we going to work? How are we going to understand it for ourselves? Because we're all in different situations and some people can have Saturday or some people can have Sunday or someone can have another day during the week. Can we, how are we going to work it for ourselves? But what we do need is we need to create some space to recharge. Because a lot of the problems we have is our internal batteries just going flat and flat and flat. And we need to create some China recharge. And yes, holidays are good and holidays give us a big jump in recharges, but the holidays are too far away. Uh, there's lots of weeks between holidays for most people. And so we need to have periodic charging each week to keep on top of stuff. And yes, we need to have holidays and have bigger chunks to recharge. How are we going to do that? And let's not create this space where we okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna create space and I look at my diary and yeah, I can create, you know, I can come to church on Sunday and I can have the rest of Sunday off, I'll create that space, Sunday's the day or whatever day it is. Don't create that space and swap that cursed work that we're doing because of the fall and we've got to provide for things and swap that for just doing things around the yard and the house and the endless list of jobs. You know, the mowing the lawns, fixing the house, fixing the car, cleaning the house, doing this. I mean, if you're like me, you've got an endless list of jobs and you get some gone and they come back and there's always some always on there and I never get rid of them. Is that your life too? If it's not, I'll give you some. Please, give you some. It's like, that's it, isn't it? I mean, you just go, 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 go. And somehow we've got to say, hang on, why is it I create a day where I don't have to think about that, I don't have the pressure of that, where I can just do some other things that I'm going to enjoy, but not just for me, where I'm going to remember God, enjoy God, enjoy the people he's made, and also have some space to myself. That's what the Sabbath day is all about. You see, it says in Ephesians in chapter 2 that God saved us by grace in chapter 2, verse 8, and that goes on in chapter... 2 verse 10, to say that we're created in Christ Jesus for good works. And what's the good works that God's created for? It's not, it's not the work that I, you, know, you and I do you know, six days a week. It's, that, it's, it's, it's not that paid work. It's not that, you know, that sort of stuff. It's not the cursed work. But good work is good work towards God and towards his people. It can be done all the time. But the Sabbath day is a particular day to do that. A particular day, I'm going to create some space. I'm going to do good stuff towards God this day. I'm going to make sure I'm reading the Bible and praying. I'm gathering with God's people. I'm remembering God. I'm recharging my spiritual life, celebrating God, remembering who he is, remembering what he's done. And I'm going to do that with other people. I'm going to encourage them and get encouragement for them. And, and I'm just going to enjoy them. Are you so busy you find it hard to enjoy life? I think that's the biggest danger, the biggest downfall of being too busy. 
We don't enjoy life. We don't enjoy God. We don't enjoy what God has done. We don't enjoy that we're bad people deserving of hell, deserving of punishment, deserving of wrath, and God gives us sunshine and healthy bodies and we're able to enjoy the day and we're in a country that's free and and just those things around us. Or remembering Easter, enjoying God for what he's done for us in Jesus Christ. But most of all, too, enjoying God for the other members of God's family he places around us. I didn't get to choose my two sisters in the family I was born into. I would have liked a brother. Didn't get a brother. It's the same in this family. We don't get to choose each other. God chooses. But it means then we've got to make the most of it. We've got to you know, remember our duty, obligation, connection with each other. And we've got to just enjoy it as best we can. We need to start thinking about how will the Sabbath mean I'll enjoy God more, I'll enjoy God's people more, I'll enjoy life more from having that right perspective, from taking that break from the curse of the world and doing good. You see, the ones who opposed Jesus were all just caught up in the curse of the world and it was all legal and it was all go and do this and do that and it's all twisted. Jesus came along and just cut straight through that. Cut to the core. What's important in life? To do good. Do good to God, to other people, to have a right perspective on each day. Let me pray. God, I want to repent that I don't have a right perspective on the Sabbath. I think we all have struggled with that. We all struggle with how do we each have a Sabbath day. Sabbath day can be just another day to do things that need to get done with too little remembering you, too little remembering your people, too little time to recharge and be refreshed. Lord, forgive us that we are sometimes just too busy. We get caught up in this cursed world and just keep going and going and going. It's like we're caught in a rip and we're just struggling to keep our head above the water. We're putting lots of effort in, we're trying hard, but Lord, we just keep getting dragged on with this rip. Lord, help us be people that can swim out of the rip, to swim out of this curse, to enjoy at least one day a week where we can be having a Sabbath, having a holy day to you, remembering who you are and celebrating that, remembering what you've done, remembering the family we now belong to in Christ. Refresh us and recharge us as we do that. We pray in your name. Amen.